to those who are joining us on LiveGate Outreach TV or on our podcasts on Sprouts and in iTunes, listening to this message at this point in time, I want to say you are also very welcome. And I believe that God will do something new and unique in your life also in Jesus' name. Again, thank you for the testimonies you send in from time to time. We receive testimonies from all over the world. This is the privilege that we have in our generation that we can touch nations fairly easily. And we are so blessed. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the, the saints of old that went ahead of us spent so much money, put so much effort to get the message out. And they had to record it on hard media like tapes and CDs and DVDs. And uh, we are truly grateful that God is giving us such awesome opportunity that now, in an instant, we can be live and people can watch from all over the world and listen. And we are truly grateful to God for that. And we will continue to leverage it as much as God helps us in Jesus' name. We have been on a series which we are ending today on accessing divine creativity. You can see the banner behind me. We have had four sessions, or we are having the fourth session today. We have had three sessions, and uh, the first one was celebrating the creative God. Uh, Now I will tell you where I took that picture. I took that picture in Albania when I traveled with uh, Dr. Keith uh, late last year. I think it was uh, late early December, late November, early December, something like that. And uh, we went to do some missional outreach there. And one of the days we went out just just having a look at the landscape, and I saw this very beautiful. They have loads of this in that country, very wonderful mountain ranges. And I took this picture just to keep reminding myself of the awesomeness of God. You see, if you want to celebrate, if you want to enjoy God's creativity, you must always be sensitive to the things around you. Look at nature, look at the things, look at some birds, look at some animals, look at, look at even the creation, uh, crea- creativity of man. God displaying the, the, God's awesomeness through the things that they create. Appreciate them. Appreciate God for those things. When you live like that, it makes you a little bit humble, number one. And then secondly, it allows you to feel God every time. When people say they feel that God is so distant, I say you just need to open your eyes and look around. Then you'll find that he's not as distant as things may appear. So we started by celebrating this creative God. And then we looked at certain themes, creative thanksgiving and creative praise and worship in the last couple of weeks up to last week. Today we are looking at creative intercession, and I put it specifically on top of the mountain, as it were, or in that part, because that is really physically, uh, that is really how we physically express what we do spiritually when we are talking about intercession. It talks about a mountaintop experience. It talks about laboring to go to a place. You don't climb such a mountain by just walking leisurely. You go with effort. And when we talk about creative intercession, believers, particularly in our generation, must understand that God is still very much in the business of demanding prayer and intercession from his children. Amen. He's still very, very much in the business of placing that demand on us. And I just want to encourage you to continue to allow God to use you and I as a vessel indeed unto honor in Jesus' name. So we are rounding up that today with that topic. And uh, like I said last week, I will just quickly like to reemphasize that divine creativity is the very nature of God. It is the nature of God. In the very first few words that we read in the Bible, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God. And the next thing we heard was that he created. So creation is so important to God. 
And we must see this in the light of how he has mandated man also to continue the work of creativity. As an engineer, we used to tease a lot of other professionals. We say, man, God created everything, then he created man on the sixth day. And then he rested on the seventh day. Then on the eighth day, he created engineers so that they can continue the work of creativity. (laughs) That's how we just like to uh, trip ourselves up, really. But the reality is that the world of engineering today, the world of architecture, the world of the arts, and the world of um, uh, all the creative uh, sciences and creative arts are showing us continually extending the work of creativity in diverse ways. Man is building buildings that have gone 800 meters into the sky, now going one kilometer into the sky, a building. Man is building aircrafts that ferry people 550 at a time. Man is placing probes on the moon. Man is placing probes on Mars and can monitor what is happening planets that are billions of miles away. It is a mystery. And I want us to really continue to understand that we cannot but just continue to appreciate God for this great art of creativity. So intercession is so important because it is a part and parcel of God's mandate upon man. This is the action of intervention. When we talk about intercession, it is intervening on behalf of another. That is what intercession is. That other person or that another thing could be another person, another entity, or another situation. It may be that right now something is, we're here now, but something may be happening somewhere, and then we can intervene, we can intercede for that situation. So when we talk about creative intercession, we're talking about that kind of prayer, that kind of intervention that is like a mediation or intermediation or negotiation. We saw Abraham negotiate for Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw uh, Moses mediate with the children of God, as we'll soon read again today. We saw in the book of Acts, as God's people uh, went in and prayed over a situation that was about to stop them from proclaiming the gospel. So we must understand that creative intercession happens when we are able to intervene in the course of the affairs of life by bringing God into situations so that there can be a turnaround. This is what makes creative intercession what it is. Now, Jesus is our perfect intercessor. Hallelujah. The Bible makes us to understand in Hebrews chapter 7, we're going to start our Bible readings from there today. Verse 20. The Bible says, And inasmuch as he was not, I'm reading Hebrews chapter 7, verse 20 to 25. He said, And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests, verse 21, without an oath, But by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest, talking about Jesus, forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 22. By so much more, Jesus has become, somebody say Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Let's go to verse 23. Verse 23. The Bible says also there were what? Many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Now, there were many priests, but they were prevented by death from continuing. Now, look at this priest that the faithful high priest we now have. Verse 24. Verse 24, very quickly. 
But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood. Now, verse 25. He says, therefore, let's read that together. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercessions for them. Somebody say, he lives forever to make intercessions for me. Look at your neighbor and say, he lives forever to make intercessions for you. But you see, the faithfulness of God is to remind us here that there were priests that used to make intercessions for people, but they died. But when Jesus came, he came as a faithful high priest because he cannot die. And he took on the role of making intercessions for us. But we must also understand that because intercession is so important to God, as many that God is saving in this way that come to him, that come to God through Jesus, they are also being recruited into the royal priesthood. They are also recruited into the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of intercession. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And what is your role to show forth the praises of him who has done what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light to partake in the ministry of intercession with him. The world has no hope without the intercessors. The world that we live has no hope today without the saints praying and crying out to God. And I'll show you from scriptures. So we must understand that prayer for us and intercession for us as children of God is a non-negotiable. It is not a gift. It's not something left to certain people. Some people say, I don't have the ministry of intercession. There's no ministry of intercession. People become intercessors by simply praying. Now, there are prophetic ministries, there are teaching ministries, there are evangelistic ministries, there are pastoral ministries, there are apostolic ministries that have different dimensions of intercessions with them. That's fine. But every believer is called to be an intercessor, a creative intercessor, one who prays until something happens, one who prays to change situations. In your workplace, you are planted as an intercessor to change the course of the demonic strongholds that continue to plague places where we study and places where we work. We are intercessors in the lands we live. Some of us have migrated from various countries across the world to be living here in the United Kingdom today. And we think it is just a, a, an excuse, it's just a, 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 a coincidence that we find ourselves here. Some of us, my grandfather, my late grandfather was evangelized uh, to become born again in the early 1900s by Christians from this same country. And the same country today that I now live, almost 100 years, more than 100 years later actually, I am now sent by God back to the same country to do the same work of the people who came 100 years before to rescue my own family line. So we must understand that God and his agenda is perfect in his ways and we must see ourselves as partaking with God. So as Jesus is the ultimate example to us 
as Christians, we must also realize that God expects us to be intercessors. Look at Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29. The Bible says, the people, Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-nine. the Bible says, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. Somebody say wickedness in the land. Now, the next verse. Let's read it together. Verse 30. It says, So I sought for a man among them in that same land. I sought for a man among them. Let's read together. Who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. May God find you and I. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 23. We must understand that the wages of sin is death. But we have been sent to avert this kind of thing in verse 31. It says, therefore, let's read together. I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. And I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads. Says Satan. Is it says Satan? Says Lucifer? Says who? The Lord God. Somebody will say, but Pastor David, that is Old Testament. Have you read in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 that God is a consuming fire? Have you read that God slew Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament in Acts chapter 5? God is never changing. He changes principles. He changes precepts, but he doesn't change in principle. God changes the way he does things. The wrath of God is still reaching out to this generation today. Thank God for grace. If not for grace, where would we have been? Thank God the wickedness on the earth today is more than ever. The, the Bible says there was a time there was the increase of wickedness in the heart of man continually. But we are living in the days that are even darker than those days. This is why you see a lot of brutality, a lot of wickedness, a lot of inhumanity of man to man. We were on street evangelism the other day. This was late last year, mid last year. I just came back from Poland where we went on a short family holiday and we visited the Auschwitz camp, concentration camp, where Hitler did and his people did a lot of terrible things, killed millions of Jews in, in, in the early 1940s. And uh, it was a horrible thing to, 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 to be reminded of. And that place today is like a museum where people visit and they're told the story in greater details. There's nothing like experience in it. And I tell you, I've seen in a few places, been to places like Robin Island where Mandela was incarcerated for about 18 years uh, in, his, in his 27-year prison term. And seeing those places, touching that cell like this, and seeing those things physically does something to you that make you understand that this world truly has a lot of wickedness, a lot of meanness. Things are happening. And I remember we came back from that trip and uh, a lady said to me that they were promoting things of people not... Uh, uh, killing animals again, that they were Christians against people keep, because we were promoting a barbecue. <laughs> Wrong place for them to have been. <laughs> we were promoting a barbecue, our summer barbecue, and we went out to town with flyers and said, come and, and, and feast with us. And the lady said, you know, she's a Christian group promoting that people should not eat animals anymore. 
So she came to me and said, but this thing we are doing. I said, show me in the Bible where he said we should not eat animals. He said, he gave us everything freely to eat and freely to enjoy. And then she said to me that the cruelty of man to animals is almost like it was from the, you know, in a bit of a cynical way, is what we'd call a pun. Because she, she, she was Caucasian and I'm obviously African. He said, she said, you know, it was a bit like what the whites did to the blacks. I said, don't tell me about what the whites did to the blacks. Because I just came back from a country where I saw what whites did to whites. In a terrible scale. So you want to talk about wickedness? Don't go white black. That's, that's, that's a small thing. What I saw in Poland showed me that it has nothing to do with race. It is just a case of man's wickedness. Sheer, utter wickedness. These factories were destroying 10,000 people in one day. So-called factories as they call them, the gas chambers. 10,000 people in one day at a point in time. On this same earth, not up to 80 years ago, we must understand that God is looking for people who will stand against all the evil that is in the land. I pray today that there will be a stimulation in your heart that you will join the bandwagon of intercessors that will change the order of things in our world. In the name of Jesus. Very quickly, I want to share with you four things. Every time we intercede, we evoke God's creative power. For example, when we intercede in these four ways, we evoke his creative power and we also derive some benefits. I just choose four ways. There are so many of them. The first thing is that when we intercede for the well-being of people and kings, we enjoy peace. Somebody say, we enjoy peace. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Very quickly, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We know this scripture, but I want to bring out something clearly. He said, therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be done what? Made for all men. Somebody say, intercede for all men. Verse 2. He said also, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may do what? Lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. We must understand that when the Bible says that we may do what? Lead a quiet and peaceable life. When we pray for people and we pray for kings, we enjoy a better and peaceful society. We enjoy a better and peaceful community. So it is to our own benefit to intercede for kings. It is our own benefit to intercede for people. This is so important. Many of us are just reading the news of Brexit and just taking sides and saying things. We should get on our knees and pray for that process. The United Kingdom is not an ordinary nation. It is a nation positioned by God for centuries to always be an influence on this earth. Whether people like it or not. Like them, hate them. It's irrelevant. It's like Israel. Like them, hate them. It's a waste of your time. They are Israel. That's who they are. Hallelujah. The reality is that we must pay, pray and intercede for the Brexit. This is why in our church here, every morning, 5 a.m. to 6 a.m., we are praying Mondays to Friday. We pray by web conferencing. And one of the, our major prayer points for the past months is on Brexit. Lord, let this matter be as you have ordained it. Because the Bible says we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. The country cannot afford to get it wrong. Some of us come from uh, African countries and countries where there is a lot of political change going on. 
uh, an example, obviously, clearly, is Nigeria, my own home, home country, where there is about, hopefully, to be an election. And a lot of things are happening right now. And we cannot just fold our arms and say it's some party thing. We are intercessors. Let's keep crying for that nation. Let's keep saying, Lord, let that, that country is also another strategic country. Do you know that if everything goes well with Nigeria, that is the best thing to happen to Africa? It is clear. That's why the devil is making sure there, come, there, there, there is always calamity in that country. Because Nigeria is the most strategic nation by population and by strength, by positioning in that continent. Not even North Africa will have the best of their peace. Despite their closeness to Europe. If Nigeria is not in order. South Africa is doing well. But if Nigeria is not in order, it still is limited. So we have to pray. There cannot be chaos in Nigeria. There cannot be chaos in Nigeria. There cannot be chaos in the United Kingdom. We've got to pray for these nations because they are in the agenda of God for the end time revival and for the empowerment of God's people across the earth. It will take intercessors. It says pray for the kings. Don't just say Theresa May. Theresa May, see your age mate. She's not your age mate. She's older than you, if not for anything. Pray for her. Pray for her. I'm not in her party. She doesn't know me. I'm not promoting her. But the Bible says pray for the king. Pray for her. Pray for the queen. Pray for them. Say, Lord, grant these people wisdom. Even if all she does is to give royal assent to whatever the parliament decides. Say, Lord, grant them wisdom. This process is so strategic. It's so, it is said that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Every one of us must understand. We must not be like the world that just sits down and comment and talk. Somebody said, talk is cheap. And I said the other time, talk is not cheap. Talk is free. It's free. If it was cheap, that means there's still some value to it. Anybody can talk anything without any paying anything. So talk is not cheap. It's free. That's why you see in a stadium, only tw uh, 22 people are on the pitch doing the real thing. And then there are 80,000 people shouting, you should have done that, done that, done that. There are always more people in their thousands who shout, <laughs> who spectate and shout. <laughs> the real people doing the real action, very few, very few. Let's join the real people doing the real action. Let's join the people really praying. Hallelujah. Have you ever seen those kind of players on the, on the stands? They say, oh, that ball, he should have lobbed it that way and go that way and kick it to the right. You go there. If you know all that, why, why are you not there? <laughs> You sit on the stand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us join the people who are changing things on our knees. Daniel prayed and things changed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they prayed with their brother Daniel. And Babylon became a nation that followed the God of Daniel. We can do it. We can do it. I say we can do it. And we will do it in Jesus' name. We need to keep praying, secondly, for transgressions. The sin in the land is something that we cannot just be talking about. Say, so what is wrong with our nation? There's so much knife crime. There's so much gun crime. Yeah, America is such a spoiled nation. We don't, we don't do that. That is the talk of people who don't know God. What we do is we bring it before the prayer altar and say, Lord, let South London, let East London, let these places where there are volatile, Birmingham, where there are volatile spasms, Boko Haram in, in northern Nigeria, the wickedness going on in Cameroon, and, and the tyranny that is, that is happening in some of these governments in, in, in South Sudan. Lord, let us pray and, and pull down the strongholds of the wicked forces of darkness, using people to destroy people. Because transgression is rising. 
When we pray against transgressions, we enjoy God's mercies and his righteous rewards. Look at what Psalm 106 verse 19 says. He said, they made a calf in Horeb. I was reading this place this morning and I, again and I had a good laugh. And they worshipped the molded image. Verse 20. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. And then they forgot, verse 21, somebody say iniquity. Somebody say transgression. He said they forgot God, their Savior, who done great things, who had done great things in Egypt. Verse 22, verse 22, verse 22. He said wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea, all the things that God had done. Then verse 23, therefore he said he would destroy them. Verse 23, please go back. Therefore he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroys them. God is looking for many more Moseses. I say God is looking for many more Moseses. In the name of Jesus. Make up your mind to be in that list. I just quoted to you when we started, when I started this message, I quoted from 1 Peter 2, 9 that says, you are a chosen generation. The Bible says Moses was his chosen one. If you are a chosen generation and I am a chosen generation and Moses, who was a chosen one, stood before God and made sure that the destruction that was to come upon a people because of their transgressions and iniquity did not come, but he creatively engaged God for a transformation, you and I must do the same in our generation. You and I must not go to sleep every day without crying out to God for the transgression in the land. Without praying and saying, Lord, have mercy in the lands. Have mercy. Have mercy. There is a lot of evil going on. I don't need to be telling you this. You're all on social media. You hear news. There's a lot of evil going on. A lot of evil. Because the transgressions, the iniquity of the people is growing stronger and stronger. It would take continual intercession. Like Moses stood. One man stood against three million people and interceded for them not to be destroyed. May we be the intercessor in the name of Jesus. There was another example in that same place of another man called Phinehas. Another great servant of God. Young man, the grandson of Aaron. He also interceded. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, when they got to Baal Peor, they joined themselves also to Baal of Peor. When they got to Peor, they joined themselves also to Baal of pure and ate sacrifices made to the dead. The things that God abhors. They made sacrifices, ate sacrifices made to the dead. Verse 29. Verse 29. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. But look at what happened. Verse 30. Let's shout verse 30 together. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. Then, let's read it again. Then Phinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. Many plagues are in the land today. Ravishing, ravaging in the form of illnesses and sicknesses. All kinds of things that are happening. They are plagues. Scientists will tell us that they are transmutations and developments of, of, of genes and alterations of things and so on and so forth that is bringing about the illnesses and the sicknesses we see today. And they have all kinds of names. Some names, when I hear them, I say, what's that? They say it's a sickness. Ah, it sounds like a train or something. <laughs> oh, God have mercy. It is the plague in the land. We must not fold our arms and just say, oh, it is a natural process. 
there are plagues that are allowed to function in the land because partly of the transgressions of the people. We must stand like Phinehas. Phinehas was a very young man at this stage. He was grandson of Aaron. He must have been very young, probably in his 20s. He stood, one man, one young man stood and intervened and the plague was stopped. You and I can stop plagues. I say you and I can stop plagues. You and I will stop plagues. You are in your company, your school, your environment to stop plagues. When there are people ravaging and causing havoc in your, your community where you live, and it seems there are too many things, people losing things, and people are breaking into homes, and every, you are there to stop that plague. You rise up in the night and say, no more in the name of Jesus. I sanctify this entire environment with the blood of Jesus. You are there to stop plagues. You must stop all the plagues. You and I will keep stopping the plagues. In the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says, verse 31, when you do that, there is a benefit. Look at what the Bible says concerning Phinehas. I think I'll be controlling this. Thank you. That's fine. Let me just take it on so that I do it at my time. The Bible says, and that was accounted to him for what? Righteousness to all generations forevermore. That's why we are still talking about Phinehas today. When you do it, you leave a legacy. When you stand in the gap of the peop- for the people, God gives you a legacy. God gives you a name that becomes immortalized. We still talk about men of old today who did great things that we all know of because they stood in their time to pray. People like Elijah, people like Elisha. Coming to our contemporary times, we still talk about the great servants of God like Kenneth E. Hagen and people that have gone to be with the Lord, Archbishop Benson Idahosa, who in their time stood against witches, stood against evil. Till their very last minutes on earth. We need to be intercessors. Amen. And I know God will raise more intercessors among us in Jesus' name. Very quickly, when we pray, we need to intercede for the saints and spiritual leaders. We talked about people and kings. We talked about transgressions in the land. Then thirdly, saints and our spiritual leaders. When we pray like this, we benefit from their testimonies. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 18. Let's read that together. It said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me. This is Paul speaking. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 18. He said, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for who? All the saints. You have a responsibility to pay for that person sat next to you, to your right and to your left, to your front and rear, if you have one. You must be praying for the saints all the time because the saints are also praying for you. Hallelujah. We must pray for one another. You don't know what you do when you pray for your brothers and sisters. And then he said, pray for me also that utterance may be given to me. This is Paul. Somebody would have said, Apostle Paul doesn't need the prayer of anybody. A man that touches the third heavens, he's okay, he's all right. He said, no, 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 pray for me also. Pray for me also that utterance may be given. And the Bible says in verse 20, he said, because I am an ambassador of this mystery, of this gospel in chains. Pray for me that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And we know that Paul's ministry was characterized largely by his bold utterances. He stood before the kings like Agrippa, 
Festus. He stood before the generals, the, the centurions in Rome. He stood before all kinds of people and he made his case with boldness. Why? Because he relied on the prayer and intercession of his fellow saints. Esther said, pray for me. Three days, fast for me. I will go before the king and if I perish, I perish. And we know she did not perish because they prayed for her. They fasted for her. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they gathered together because they were going to be punished for not bowing down to the, to the king, uh, to the idol of the king. And the Bible says that they gathered and called on their, on, their, on their people, on their brethren, and they prayed. And we know the rest of the story. God is looking for people who will continue to intercede for other Christians. We must pray for one another because we will keep benefiting from their testimonies in Jesus' name. The fourth and final thing I want to say on the four things that I've just put together that we need to intercede is that we need to pray for victory over challenges to our faith. Many of us are living lives and having experiences of life that from time to time may not be palatable. We must understand that we need to learn how to intercede to have victory over such times. Our believer generation is so weak Always looking for somebody to pray for you. Always looking for somebody. Man of God, lay hand. You have laid hand finish? Okay. Then they go out. Something, small headache. Man of God, again, lay hand. What kind of laziness is that? If the saints that went before us were like that, we would not be here today. If there were weaklings who could not take responsibility to take charge of their own personal challenges, to know how to encourage themselves in the Lord like David did, where would we have been today? Where would we have been today? We must... Now, don't get me wrong. I just said we should pray for one another. So there is a place for praying for one another. But there is a place also as Christians. We take rightful responsibility of who we are. And when there is a threat against us, against our families, we also know how to intercede to stop that flow. Men, men, are you here? Can I hear from the men? Men, shout hallelujah. A man who does not know how to stand. And put the enemy at bay from his family is disappointing the Christian generation that he belongs. There is no other way I can put it. I'm a man, so I can say that. If I was, if a, if my wife said this one, hey, <laughs> if a woman says this one, God help her to leave this place before she's stoned. So I'm a man like you. <laughs> but men, we've got to stand up. We've got to stand up. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 18 about Abraham. He said, I know this man that he will command his family after me. God is looking for more men who will know how to intercede. Look at Acts chapter 4. We read it earlier. I just want to quickly read it again. God is looking for more men who will know how to intercede. When the devil is trying to manipulate your family or manipulate your, your church brethren and the people that God has committed into your hands, you must know how to stand at the gate and tell that devil to go away. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 24 verse 29. The Bible says in verse 29. Am I in verse 29? Thank you. He said, now, the, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. Somebody said they were threatened. Someone said they were threatened. Now, many times we receive threats. Threats to our homes. Threats to our marriages. Threats to our jobs. Threats of all kinds. Threats to our peace. Threats to our environment. We receive all kinds of threats. 
Let us do like these saints of old. Let us not cry every time there is a threat. Hey, hey. And run away. And look for help. Now, get me right in this. Look for help when you have to look for help. But learn also how to stand. When there is a threat against your peace. Learn how to stand. Go to verse 30. The Bible says, they said, by stretching out your hand. They began to place a demand on the God of heaven that they believe. He said, by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31 says, and when they had prayed. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor for me, you must pray. Say, you must pray. He said, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they did what? Spoke the word of God with boldness. This is how God is going to change your story. I said, this is how God is going to change your story. In the name of Jesus. When you have a colleague that is always making life difficult for you unnecessarily at work. You don't just go crying every time. You go back home and you take that person by name and present them before God. And say, Lord, I am an ambassador to that organization. This person is making life difficult for me. Now, don't do that if you are not doing your work and they are telling you you are not doing your work. That's a different thing. You are not doing your work and the man says you are not doing your work. Don't go and be binding. That one, even God will bind you for binding. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. You are doing all things well. You are doing your work. You are doing everything. But this person just stands to be a hindrance to your peace in that place. Go before the Lord and say, Lord, behold their threats. Behold his threat. Call him or her by name. And say, I present him or her to you. Lord, I arrest them in your hand. And I say that, Lord, whatever you feel deem right to do, do in the name of Jesus. I tell you, when you appear in the workplace, things will change. Yeah. I say things will change. Yeah. I'm not telling you things that I have not done. I've done it many times. There was a time some people, well, this was over 10 years ago, some people were making life a bit difficult for my, work, my wife in her workplace. I've never been there. She used to work at a hospital that time. I'd never been there. I said, give me all their names. Give me all, all of their names. <laughs> I listed them together and I prayed. I said, Lord, behold these people. Your daughter is planted there as an ambassador. Behold these people. They are threatening her. In under two weeks, that department was scattered. One person was moved from one, one section. The other one, was, everybody there was scattered. And peace was restored. Somebody say, peace was restored. If she brought it to me and me too, I say, hey, really, they are disturbing you. Oh, 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 what are we going to do? They, they will continue the torment. What am I trying to say? We love people, but we hate Satan that walks through people. We love people, but we hate demonic manifestations that walk people, through people. We detest those things and we report them unto God. May God continue to grant us victories in the name of Jesus. Creative intercession requires us to be persistent and tenacious. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 6 and verse 7 are the last verses I'm going to read. It requires us to be persistent. Somebody say persistent and tenacious. There are two different things. Persistence means you refuse to give up until you see a result. Tenacious means you are actually holding on to something. You are holding on to the promise of God and you are refusing to give up. You cannot be effective in prayer James 5.16 says it is the effectual, fervent 
prayer of the righteous man that will avail much. You cannot. He said, I have set watchmen over your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. Verse 7, he says, And give him no rest till he establish and till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Some of us are giving God rest, and he said you should give him no rest. (laughs) It's not heresy. It's not heresy. He said, give him no rest. Keep crying out to him until you don't watch the situations you don't like. Great man of God said, whatever you don't want, you don't watch. Whatever you don't want, you don't watch. Don't keep looking at that child and say, oh, these children of nowadays, they are all teenagers. This is how they all behave. No, that's not how your own son should behave. You must go before the Lord every day and say, Lord, I put this man, this young man in your hand, this young girl in your hand. She will not be wayward. She is of the order of Abraham. She is of the Abrahamic seed. She is a righteous one called out of the fire. And you pray like that consistently, then whatever wisdom God gives to you to counsel, you keep counseling. But you and I must understand that the Bible says we must give him. The him there is a capital H, which means it's God. We must give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Friends, creative intercession means that we never give up. May you never give up. There are overwhelming situations of life that always seek to want to make us give up. Many of us have accepted some health conditions because we feel that this is just... This is, this is the best doctor in the world, known to treat these conditions, has said there is no hope. The Bible says, whose report will you believe? Jesus took those stripes in Isaiah chapter 53 for every kind of sickness. You just need to believe God. If you say it is not your portion, it will not be your portion. I say it will not be your portion. In the year 1988, God delivered me from a very terrible condition of stomach ulcer. I couldn't live, I couldn't stay for two hours without having to put something in my tummy. It was like there was fire there. I sat through lectures throughout the campus life. Only God knows how much I did, I, 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 how, how I did it. But one day I got restless when the word of God came to me. I used to carry tablets of, ant, and, uh, what do you call it, antacids. Tablets, packets like that would be in my pocket every time. I chew them like a goat, chewing things every time. Chew, 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 chew. Fast, fast, I couldn't try that. <laughs> I'll be dead. But God delivered me one day. I said, God delivered me one day. That God will deliver you. When I cried out to God, when I read and I understood that the Bible says, when I get restless, I will tr- throw off that yoke from off my neck and I shall be delivered by reason of the anointing. Hallelujah. And I took that scripture and God helped me to break that yoke till today. God will help you to break every yoke. Whether it's a personal yoke, whether it's a marital yoke, whether it's something to do with your career, your ministry, whatever yoke it is, God will help you to break it today in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray with you. Where?